been a bit of a stunning kind of accusation, I guess, from Dr. Bennett Omalu, who worked with American football stars for many years. Uh, Will Smith played him in the movie Concussion. He says in the next generation there'll be no such thing as contact sports because just of the volume of head injuries. As I say, a man that's been there and done that with the All Blacks and the Warriors, uh, Dr. John Mayhew, joins us on the line. Very good afternoon, John. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Yeah. Hello, John. Love to chat again, mate. Well, mate, can I can we begin by just sort of saying, do you think that's possible? You've been with these great sporting organisations. Do you think it could be that in the next generation there's no contact sports? No, I think it's a ludicrous assertion myself. And uh, I think you have to put things in perspective here. Uh, Dr. Amali is a pathologist. He's not really dealing with live athletes. Uh, so the, the sample that he sees are deceased athletes. And there's still a lot of controversy in America that whether CTE incidents and in retired footballers is actually higher than the general population because it's multifactorial uh, brain disease and there could be other things like alcohol, drugs, other types of trauma. So just to put that into perspective there, the data in New Zealand shows that you know if you have recurrent concussions and you recover from concussion, there's no risk you know at this stage of having a chronic brain injury. Obviously, if you don't recover, there's, there's problems there. And uh, I think, uh, as I, you were saying earlier in your show, that New Zealand Rugby League, especially in Rugby League latterly, has been putting a lot of emphasis into the, the management and identification of concussion. So, I mean, I mean, it's fair to say that the only way to prevent concussion and head injury in Rugby and Rugby League is don't play the game. Uh, there's no no doubt about that. Yeah. There's a risk playing sport. There's a risk of other, other types of injury as well. But... Uh, you know, we're becoming a very risk-averse society. I mean, should our children ride their bikes to school or should they play horseback? I oh, know you're not allowed to play that, are you? And <laughs> things like that. So, you know, um, to me, there's, there's a risk of playing uh, rugby and rugby league and any other contact sport. Um, there's, there's talk even that, you know, football, soccer is a risk in the repetitive hitting. So, you know, how far do we go? But the data doesn't... We're not seeing a cohort of brain-injured ex-All Blacks coming out and... You know, I've had the, the fortune or ill fortune or whatever to be involved with the All Blacks 30 years ago, and I'm not seeing the Michael Jones, the Gary Wettons, the Grant Foxes, and these guys who've had long and successful careers have a higher rate of, you know, uh, chronic pain injury than the general population. So I think, you know, we've got to be careful about analysing the data and overreacting to sometimes misinformation. And that's not to uh, in any way uh, denigrate what people are doing. We need to manage it and be aware of it. But manage it properly, and it may not be uh, the epidemic that has been you know, created out of uh, you know examples like we just talked about before. Well, it's yeah. great to get your thoughts and to be so categorical on that, Doctor. I wonder, is there a difference between the head injuries that you saw with the All Blacks or the league? Because from just and it's completely not scientific, but it feels to me there's as just a sports lover, there's more head injuries in league than there are union. Is that? Right. Um, I don't. I don't think so. I mean, certainly when I got involved in rugby league, it was uh, going back to the dark ages after being involved with rugby union, and the management of head injury was, you know, suboptimal to say the least. And there was that sort of bravado that you know what a what a great player he was. He got knocked out and got back up and mm-hmm. played on. And I think that has certainly gone from the game now. The NRL especially have a lot of uh, procedures and protocols in place to manage head injury. Um, I don't know if the incidents, you know, the number of injuries per game is higher. We certainly have a few. Uh, hopefully they're, they're well managed. We have, you know, video technology on the sideline. Uh, we have, you know, uh, formalised ways of assessing head injury. Uh, so I think we're doing things better. But there'll always be instances on either game that one player may have a head injury which he doesn't recover from. So there's a risk of that. So it's, you know, maybe one head injury is one too many and other players can be knocked out 
four or five times and recover completely each time and there's no cumulative effect. But uh, um, the, the other valid point that I'd make is that, you know, children under 18 or, you know, people under 18 seem to take a lot longer to recover from a head injury. So certainly when I see first team players and schoolboy players with a head injury, they seem to take a lot longer to bounce back from an injury. Perhaps it's due to the developing brain and things like that. So um, I think it's, it's great there's an awareness of head injury and a management of head injury but I don't think we're going to have this epidemic of brain-damaged children in you know, 30 or 40 years' time that some uh, pessimists you know, point out. John, one of the things I really wonder about, as far as rugby union, I'm just talking about rugby union goes, they are taking it <clears throat> at the top level extremely seriously. We're all very much aware of that. Do yep. you feel in your work, not just in sports medicine, but also as a very active GP on the North Shore in Auckland, do yep. you feel that at the lower levels, people are as cognizant of the fact that rugby and contact sports can be very dangerous, particularly with head injuries? I think you've highlighted the problem. You know, at the professional level, it's it's well managed now. You're much better to uh, get you know a, a concussion going for North Harbour or Auckland or the Blues or something like that. You'll have expert attention, and your return to play will be guided by proper, uh, proper protocols and. Uh, I get worried when I sometimes see people who are playing roller mills or rugby or that and it's the, the biggest game of their life and you know, mum and dad come in with this overachieving child who's been knocked out last week and I tell them they can't play for three or four weeks or whatever and it's the end of the world, mainly for the parents at times. And yeah. um, No, no, I, I agree. It's the lower level of sport and I think ACC and New Zealand Rugby Union uh, have done a great job with you know rugby smart and the injury awareness. So. I think there's a lot of, you know, tools out there now to uh, protect players. But, you know, it's got to be an awareness. If you don't diagnose concussion, it's hard to treat. And, uh, you know, if the kid you know, gets knocked out in a game and uh, no one picks it up, well, the coach and the other people won't know about it and they'll continue to play that, that person. And uh, sometimes athletes are their own worst enemy because they, they feel if they pull out of a game, they'll be dropped next week or when they're, they're ready. And uh, it's a real issue. So I think we've got to educate parents and coaches and especially at the lower levels of the game. And John, last thing from me, uh, you know, with the HIAs, uh, yep. what 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 sort of procedures do you do? I heard there was three questions. The player gets taken off, they go through the tunnel, and then there's three quick questions there asked, sort of date of birth, their middle name, etc. What what actually happens? No, no, no it's a lot. They, they, they get asked those sort of things on the field. Uh, they're called the medics questions. They get asked, you know, uh, if the trainer goes on and someone's got a suspected head injury, they'll ask some questions about where they're playing, the score last week, and things like that. Um, in the Warriors, at, you know, at the NRL, I will be looking at the, uh, the video of the injury and decide whether that player should come off. If I decide there's something there that concerns me, I'll bring the player off. And then they'll have a five-minute break where they let the, uh, the player settle down. And then I'll go through what takes approximately 10 minutes, a SCAT test, which is uh, a sideline concussion assessment tool. Uh, fortunately, I have it on my, as an app on my phone, all the players' data and things like that. And I go through questions, short-term memory, coordination, balance, and things like that. Mm. It takes it takes at least ten minutes to do it properly, um, and uh, we have a fifteen-minute window. So, uh, uh, where you may be alluding to, Simon, is what the trainer may do on the field. You know, someone's got a head knock, and he wants to check if he's okay or not, and he might ask us a few basic questions. And when he tells them that, you know, he can't remember the score last week or he can't remember who he played, that's enough to, to bring him off for further assessment. Oh, um, sometimes I'll, I'll see things on the video or see it in real time that I say, look, irrespective of what he says to you, he's coming off. You know, he's uh, off for good if he's had a loss of consciousness or, you know, he's a toxic staggering around and things like that. So 
Um, at the professional level, and the same in rugby union, it's done done quite well. Uh, I agree with you that uh, it's at the next levels down, which it uh, makes it very, very difficult. Brilliant. John, you've been fascinating to talk to. Thanks so much for giving us your time. Thanks a million, John. Take care, mate. I, I get to you.